Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hello and welcome to the SmackDown Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by one of the Dudley boys, Michael Hamflet from What Culture, to review everything that happened on Friday night's episode of SmackDown. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review SmackDown, but also Monday Rattle, the show formerly known as NXT 2 Play. Oh, AW Dynamite, AW Rampage, pay-per-views, premium live events. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week complete. A very good quiz, of course, on WrestleCulture. As I said, though, joined by Hamflood to review Friday Night Smackdown. And you'd have to be a grumpy, miserable old bastard to not enjoy this show. What did you make of it, Hamflood? You're a piece of garbage, real boy. <laughs> I didn't love it, and a lot of people loved it, and your little thing, you just touched it. I, I didn't get it, man. Um, here, I'm looking around this studio. And I think the gaming guy who just recorded a video, yeah. that will know that, Kick AS, coming to What Culture Gaming's YouTube channel. And they've left the uh, blue lights on. Bluish hue. Bluish hue. And who could be an NXT character tomorrow <laughs> based on some of their new performance center names. You're in blue. I'm in blue. And this should be this incredibly pro, WWE is great, SmackDown was great dub podcast. Dub, dub, E. But I think we're only going to get that from 50% of us, and that 50% <laughs> is going to be you. Yeah. Because I did not like this episode. And look, here's the thing before we do the full review. I have seen mostly praise for the end segment and not much for much else. So I'm going to be kind to one thing on the show that I think really warrants praise. I thought the rest of the show stunk. But it kind of had to live or die by this main event, mm-hmm. not least because it went half an hour. Like, Jeez. That's a quarter of the broadcast, right, was given to this big main event segment. Well, 15 minutes and 15 minutes for his entrance, so yeah. Yeah, yeah, half and half. But um, I just it didn't connect. One bit of it connected with me. I try and speak honestly and frankly on these podcasts, and this is not some sort of, like, I could say it's every week until I'm as blue as the lights in these <laughs> studio walls, but, like, I'm kind of, I've made my peace with, Roman beating Cody, even though this was yet another week off. Would this be any different if he didn't have the belt? And my answer is always, no, it'd be better. But the big beats for the first time in a wild double line didn't connect with me. And I want to defend myself before I take the pelters for not liking this main event segment. I was on strings in that night of champions main event. I didn't even oh. think, oh my God. I didn't even think the match was much, but I don't think it mattered on the night. I think like not a lot happened. And then when stuff started happening, it made mm. like I was completely on the hook watching and like trying to judge every single one of the ESO's moves before the turn, before the big Jimmy moment. And I got that once in this big latest bloodline mafia segment that I felt like was supposed to be delivering about six. It wasn't short on developments, but I just didn't feel what I think I was supposed to. Yeah. I can get where you're coming from to be perfectly honest. I was whining you obviously with the intro. (laughs) Um, I was watching this right. And I was sort of reflecting on it today, having caught up on Rampage. Me and Sid will be reviewing that later, of course. And I thought, why is it... That, that was overrated too. Listen, anyway, I don't know if Sid agrees, but I thought that Rampage was overrated. But why is it that I enjoy SmackDown more than Rampage? And I do think, to a certain extent, it's because I've been raised on WWE. <laughs> so the tropes of WWE feel like a, you know, like a, a, a warm, cosy blanket. Yeah. Whereas, you know, maybe if I'm was more objective, <laughs> uh, I'd go, oh, God, they did this again. But, yeah, I, I, I can understand where your criticisms are going to come from for, for large parts of this show. In the minority, people loved this main event. But I love the main event, yeah, and we'll get into that in due course. And I also think it's it's a, a repeat thing that we talk about here. Often when we're doing the Raw review, for example, 
Um, not just about the fact that the the last thing, like a dog, the last thing I see is the is the main thing I remember, and I go, oh cool, this might, this episode was goaded. Um, <laughs> but also, I think it's the circumstances you watch it in. I think if you're watching Monday Night Raw with four hours sleep, potentially jet lagged, for example. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe the kids have woken up and it's a bloody stress and a nightmare. Then you might think one way, or if you've had a particularly stressful weekend with your pregnant wife and uh, your family being up, <laughs> and you watch this SmackDown when she's happy, gone to bed, the parents have left, and you're just like, oh, yeah, let's watch some bloody wrestling. So I was, I think I was already in a good mood, and it's the cheat code for me. Not just wrestling, football, bloody golf, right? They could do this for me. A good montage, and I go, oh, cool, so this is the best thing ever. You make a really good point there. Because this was this was a very much a sort of largely recap episode, whether that be Night of Champions or obviously the, well, the road we, that's brought us to a 1,000 days. We called quite a cool detail about the, the video package yes. as well. We nailed that. Um, you're possibly right about the circumstances within how you watch this, especially because this is our, we talk about on a Friday, we get ourselves hyped, and then who knows when we fit in across our mm-hmm. very different weekends before we talk about on a Monday. And if this was like Top of the Pods, where I review like Friday's Top of the Pops 1994 episode, <laughs> or indeed when it was 93, 92, 91, dating back to about 1986 when I started watching this sequentially, like I'd be full of positives every single yeah. week. I was like, well, Top of the Pops was another banger. Like, have you seen that, like, Pat O'Banton's baby come back's number one now? So, <laughs> like, the wet, 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 dark days are well and truly over. Wigfield brought us out of it with Saturday oh, night, and now we're into First Pat of all, Wigfield. Oh, my God. Uh-huh. Like, when, and then we said, bye, 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 bye to Wigfield with yet another banger, Pat O'Banton and UB40. Like, Lisa Loeb's still in the top ten. Oh. China Black's kind of forgotten second single isn't as good as Searching, but it's still pretty yeah, great. Yeah, it's up there. Like, low-key goated in the very literal sense because nobody talks about it. Like, and pass it on. China Black were great. Um, I'd be full of beans. It hits me on a Friday, like Top of the Pops on a Friday night is proper. The kids have gone to bed. Christ, what does the weekend hold in store? <laughs> but f- these hours, these are before the storm. Yeah. These hours are mine. It's like the gun in, is it um, Full Metal Jacket? This yeah. gun is mine. Like, this hour is mine. It is my hour. <laughs> it's Top of the Pops. Jarvis Cocker presented one of the episodes this week. Wow. I've seen Pulp for the first time in my life this year, and Jarvis Cocker was on it. Like this weekend. I saw a video of them over the weekend and it looks like they're back on form. Played Neighbourhood Weekender in Warrington and that's about like uh, 10 minutes away from my brother-in-law's house and I'd like, I'm going to see them in Glasgow but it was, I'm going for a festival because the tickets just see pulp are so expensive that the (laughs) tickets for like a festival where they're headlining one of the nights were about the same price. Amazing. So me and a couple of mates were like, well, should we just do the whole festival? So that was like, Yes. My wife is very patient and very kind to mm-hmm. stuff like this. So I'm going to go do that weekend where I'm just abandoning my dad duties for that. Um, and like, it was Thursday where I was thinking, could I justify, like, and I've been away just to Las Vegas, but like, <laughs> should we go and see your family? When like, now, like, should we go right now to see your family? <laughs> like, why, why are you so keen? Nothing. Just think it'd be really nice to see them Friday night on the phone, in the car on the way down. Get neighbourhood weekend of tickets. Get them now. <laughs> Get them now. The kids can see their first festival. Yeah. You can take them on one single ride. I was like doing all this plan in my head. I was like, you've just got back from Las Vegas. You would sleep through the entire set. Yeah. Don't do it. It wasn't worth it wasn't worth the hassle, and I got everything I needed out of Jarvis Cocker on top of the pops. I like the idea as well of maybe, maybe some of our younger listeners listening to us talk about early 90s top of the pops and nodding along like Grayson Waller when Asuka's talking in Japanese. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah I 100% agree, yeah. I don't want to tar our younger listeners with that brush because our younger listeners, I imagine, are full of, because they listen to this podcast, if nothing else, are full of dynamic personality traits and characteristics. And I've seen zero of them since Grayson Waller got called up to the main roster. So let's not drag I in saw the- a glimpse. There was a glimpse in there. I'd like a bit more. Okay. Please. Well, let's dive into it because the show opened, as I mentioned, with this brilliant retrospective voiced by Paul Heyman of the the uh, amazing road that my tribal chief has been on. And obviously <laughs> all of us here at What Culture acknowledge him for throwing up the ones in the studio. Michael Cole welcomes us in. Oh, I love you, Michael. It's just so much simpler when it's me, you, and Wade, and there's no bloody parents <laughs> interfering. Sorry, I'm going off on tangent. <laughs> uh, and uh, I think, well, I think actually, to be fair, I've done this the wrong way around. I think they introduced the package by Paul mm-hmm. Heyman with 
one of my best friends, Wade Barrett, throwing up the ones as well, which was a lovely sight to see. And the fact that, because he's so bloody tall compared to Michael Cole, they had to sort of slowly pan the camera yeah, up yeah. to get it all in. Um, so, yeah, we saw this. I thought it was, yet again, phenomenal work from WWE's production department. But, you know, when have we ever not said that when it comes yeah. to a montage? Uh, intriguing to see some of the names that popped out. Nice to see Big E getting recognised on there. Indeed. Not long enough, my opinion, mm-hmm. his title reign was. But obviously... You know, that's how we got to where we are today. Jinder Mahal, don't mention him. Including CM Punk on there as well. The Punker making it onto SmackDown was was really exciting because even just a glimpse of him made you, like, sent you through all the rollercoaster emotions of, oh, God, CM Punk. And then you're like, oh, God, CM Punk, it's like two weeks away. Yes. Like, it was a really nice, like, wrestling fan moment where you were, like, WWE probably knew what they were doing there, but inadvertently allowed you to get excited about somebody else's product. How close are we as well to, uh, you, when you said two weeks away, for a split second, I, I wasn't thinking you were talking about collision. I mm. thought you were thinking about Roman Reigns overtaking his WWE championship reign. That must be pretty close as well now. What? Roman Reigns has... Do- oh, of course, yeah. he's like 400-odd, isn't he? So the WWE title element of this was from WrestleMania 38. We were there. We were there. Um, I think that... I, I said that twice watching this. Oh, that was it. I was watching the beginning bit uh-huh. with Anne Louise as she was getting ready for bed. And I said twice. I was there. I was there for that. <laughs> there for that one. One I enjoyed slightly more than the other. You can probably guess which one's which. Yeah, I think the Brock Lesnar match is still going on. Uh, oh, no, I enjoyed the Brock Lesnar match because I yelled at um, some small children to did. acknowledge him you and did. stole their belt. I was, I was talking more about uh, him beating Brock and then, oh, him beating Cody. <laughs> uh, so that would have been, I reckon... I'm testing you now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do some research while you're Okay, I think... So WrestleMania, I'm terrible with maths for this sort of situation, but WrestleMania 38 was obviously one year and where are we now? June, two months ago. So let's say 396 days. I've plucked a number out of thin air. So I'll give you CM Punk's title reign. Well, hang on. That would have been 400. Yeah. And 30. Yeah. Four days. Bang on. Look in my eyes. Yeah. Dropped it to a guy called The Rock, who uh, never heard of him. Saying he's the best wrestler of all time, um, and I'll tell you right now, according to Wikipedia, at least, yeah. and you'll know how reliable that is. Roman Reigns, WWE Champion, for four hundred and twenty-eight days. Oh, so next Friday, probably. We need to have another celebration. Second, yes, yeah? exactly. Beating CM Punk. Right. Yeah, God, I never even considered that. Like, obviously, the thousand days is just one that kind of lumped them all in. That's now under under one new belt. Will he? I would jump in ahead. Will he, would he wear his gold belt and make Paul Heyman carry the other two around? I hope yes. Oh, maybe. Three belts, please. Yeah, because they, they didn't really hand them to Triple H. No. They just handed them to, anyway, we'll get to it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we get all this. Poor Austin Theory's just waiting around in the ring whilst this is all happening. Um, but he welcomes us all to Austin Theory Live, ATL, like that manner. Um Reminds everyone that tonight is about celebrating the Tribal Chief. Uh, and he says, but I'm the greatest United States champion of all time. It did tickle me when he said, and if we combined our reigns, uh, that's <laughs> 1,209. So a uh, pretty bad. big number, actually. <laughs> um, he said, uh, it's quite an inspiring number, some might say. Almost as inspiring as being the guy who beat John Cena at WrestleMania. That's a regular thing. Got to do him, it. Of course. Got a Jericho, this one, hasn't he? Until, yeah. yeah. He, uh, he bangs on about the fact that he's going to reach a 1,000 days, obviously. Maybe 2,000, maybe three, maybe four, especially if they keep putting him against lines like bloody Seamus. Um, but, you know, don't get angry about this. He's getting quite quite the reaction here, whether sweetened or not. <laughs> um, he says, I'm 25 years old. I'm the greatest to ever do it. Um, and now let's introduce my new friends, Pretty Deadly. I love their outfits. I know I say this every time. I just want to give credit to whoever went, what we'll do is we'll have the arms and then just stop just above the nipples for the yeah, top. It's particular. It's like, um, remember Zack Ryder's one leg tights? Yeah. There for a bit like that. What makes gear more obnoxious than it already is? That. I, I like... It'd be intriguing to see some wrestling fans trying to pull that off as well. Oh, we're going to get that. I really love this. Uh, I might wear it for my skin on skin when my little boy's worn. <laughs> <laughs> little boy's born. <laughs> just like you're, you're holding little... Uh, Oh, is this a bit of a spoiler? You're holding little Elton Prince Will, but... <laughs> yes, baby! <laughs> yes, baby! Yes, baby, baby! Stop yelling in your child's face, Harry. <laughs> I like this collection of wrestlers. It's weird how established, had every opportunity, Austin Theory, is clearly being elevated by two weeks on the main roster pretty deadly. That's a strange vibe. Yeah. But that's happening. But 
because of that time on the main roster, he is kind of, he's sort of elevating them by default, isn't he? Yes. Like he's not you're not seeing much rub off from him onto them in terms of star quality, but just by the fact they're with him is this it's that WWE thing. We have to read things differently. You have to be like, well, that's statement of intent yeah. booking for Pretty Deadly. But Pretty Deadly's genuine star quality is helping him. So by association, I think both of them are getting something from this. Yeah, they're, they're, they're brilliant arseholes. Yeah. Kit and Elton. Uh, they come out. They're celebrating the best way they know how. They're banging on about, you know, feuding with the brawling brutes who are about to come out. And uh, they do a big, yes, boy! Yes, boy! do a side plate check for a second. Where's Austin Theory's side plate check? Yeah. Yeah, that's got to be coming, hasn't it? Uh, but they obviously get cut off by uh, the incoming brawling brutes. Um, Seamus hugely over here as mm-hmm. well. Um, there was chance of nothing against... Uh, Ridge of the Fridge or Butch, but they were fans were literally like, "Don't care, we want Sheamus." It's uh, it's not sort of uh, obviously you can't at the moment fight for the Intercontinental Title, which is the one belt left standing. But that love that people like had for Sheamus, kind of starting from the back end of last year, mm. hasn't gone away. I don't mm. think that it's now at this point he's become this like unique legacy figure that ideally should be in the position where he's never yet won the WWE title and yes. you run him against Roman. But he did all that first. <laughs> so it's like, right, well, the one guy we need him to beat is now left for Raw. So you've just got to cheer him in whatever. Mm. And whatever is about, like, the best way to describe a feud with Austin Theory. Is it? <laughs> oh, well, whatever, he fights him. Because they just love him unconditionally. It's great to see. I yes. love that, yeah. I'm really happy for him. I'm about to write um, an article coming soon to whatculture.com about the prospects of Drew McIntyre in AEW. But and this is not to sort of knock Drew in any way, but the main mention of that in the office this morning brought us into a discussion about how great Sheamus would be in AEW. Yeah. I just uh, like just have big fights one year run would be quite something. Um so they get into it early on. Um obviously Ridge Bloody Holland gets the better of Elton Prince because look at the size of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in the end, after Pretty Deadly both have been in, they retreat to the corner, bring in theory, and he's like I want that ginger prick over there. And he tags in. And we immediately go to break. Yeah. Oh, you buggers. <laughs> WWE. Uh, when we come back, uh, pretty deadly are in control. Uh, then in comes Theory, and he's just stamping on Butch. He's posing. Wilson comes in, does the same. Prince comes in, uh, and they take the ref, and they just isolate him. Eventually, Butch fires up. Tornado DDT gets to the corner. Hot tag to Sheamus. Great reaction. Theory comes in and just gets wiped out by a series of clotheslines. Uh, backbreakers for everyone from Sheamus. Uh, and then they hit a triple white noise on all the heels. Sheamus managed to hit a bro kick on Theory, but pretty deadly. Good uh, members of the trio that they are. <laughs> Pull Theory outside before Sheamus can go for the pin. So Sheamus goes after them on the outside, comes off the top rope, and Butch is like, that's nice, but I'll... Uh, do something a bit better, actually. <laughs> he does some mad flip to the outside as well. That takes us to another break. When we come back, it's not long before everything breaks down again. A great spot. Theory comes in from the outside, just that roll that he does, and leaps straight into a huge knee from Sheamus. Mm-hmm. Uh, a good near fall off the back of that. Um, Prince and Holland are the legal men, uh, and Rich Holland, I always panic about this because I was there when Rick... Boogs blew his knee out at WrestleMania, but he lifts both members of Pretty Deadly like they're nothing, slams them both down, and then they all hit the 10 beats of the Bodron on all the members, Pretty Deadly and Austin Theory. Um, Holland slams Wilson. Theory breaks up the pin. Theory knees Butch. Sheamus takes Theory out to the outside. It's the usual run of things that you see. Um, But Pretty Deadly, I just love... Heel tag teams shenanigans, mm-hmm. and there was a there was a switcheroo in there where they covered it because they don't. It's not twin magic, no. But they covered it by whoever it was who wasn't the legal man covering his face with the ring apron. So when uh, Ridge Boy Allen comes in, he goes after him. They're shouting about it. it's the fact it's not the legal man. Uh, Kit Wilson chop blocks Holland. They hit spilled milk. One, two, three. Good stuff. I really enjoyed this as an opener. Yeah, the match. So the match existed for two things, but they were worthy things. I, like I didn't, I can't pretend I was like electrified in that way that you jolted off the sofa for stuff. But yeah. I did really enjoy 
the beats the bodger and spot and the finish. And I feel like that kind of the whole thing, like only Triple H could construct like a 20 minute two seg TV match around two spots. Mm. He's like, well, I've already got like half an hour in the main event. If I can just tie off the bulk of the first hour, <laughs> we're, we're good to go, aren't we? Like there is, so it was kind of like a little bit Triple H on autopilot, this stuff, but like he knows he's got the wrestlers to pull it off. So the beats the bodger and spot got the perfect desired reaction. It was great visual anyway, but like seeing the heels get some real physical and visual comeuppance. But who, this, who would you want to be? doing that to you because I think they all, all those options suck because you think the littler guy would be less bad than Seamus and the former rugby player but Butch is he doesn't hold back does he no he doesn't he's got like a bit more pace to him and it's is it not like the high heel shoe elephant's foot science thing as well where smaller oh, surface area equals oh, greater yeah. pressure so like his you've got like those big bulging biceps on ridge of fridge and Seamus but maybe it's like a slightly like the pain is spread across a wider surface area whereas like he's Digging in, isn't he? Like, I mean, not, we wouldn't take any. We, there's no way we'd last 10, would no. we? No. This is that thing where, like, uh, <laughs> like uh, these uh, dickheads on podcasts, like, well, I've never taken a bump, and it's like, you get an opportunity to take one. No, thanks. No, thanks. No, that, that, don't misconstrue what I'm saying here. I don't want to take one. I'm just impressed with the people that have. I have seen the clip of new father Chris Van Vliet, and congratulations to him from all of us here at yep. Culture, where he goes to train. Um, was it, it was Ty Dillinger, wasn't it? Yeah. And uh, Tyler Breeze. Obviously, that's not their names, but... Total pros. Yeah, but no offence to them. You go, oh, it's, it's only Ty <laughs> and the model guy. And they do, like, a few chops. Yeah. And my God, he looks like Daniel Bryan after the greatest Royal Rumble. I, I don't want that. No. I don't want any of that, thanks. So, yeah, that, um, that spot was great. And... There is a little bit of a uh, low-key goated, not enough people are talking about this um, thing with Pretty Deadly now, because that's twice that they've used their uh, heel intelligence to win a match. This is a second quite clever and quite coy Pretty Deadly finish. So it's not just about them hitting spilt milk. It's not just about blatant cheating. It's kind of just colouring outside the line stuff. It's finding ways around. Uh, Do you remember their first victory? It was over Butch and Ridge. I think so, yeah. Where again, they just like played not within the rules exactly, but like they played the referee and they've done the They're same. They're not bad FTR. Yeah, They're perfect. Yeah, not bad FTR. <laughs> like I'd like to see pretty deadly in FTR. Ooh. Now you've said that. Like, but this is the way to get teams over because it's not just a catchphrase. It's not just a bit of banter and trying to like make Austin Theory part of the pattern that makes them awful. It's about the fact that they go into these matches thinking, well, we could try and win. Or we could try and win by really, really cheap carny tricks. Let's do that. Yeah. And I think that's going to serve them very well. And I really genuinely think like the tag team titles are coming to these two quicker than you'd think. Mm-hmm. If you've never, we experienced this in NXT. If you've never seen them before, you wonder to yourself initially, like, this is a lot of fun, but are these lightweight? And then very quickly they show you that mm-hmm. they're not. Mm-hmm. Um, so I expect the tag belts will come around sooner than people realize. I wonder if they keep this run of clever cheating and they just dethrone Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Possibly. Uh, like an absolute shocker, and they do it through this kind of method. And then Kevin Owens snaps and batters Sami Zayn and is like, I can't believe we lost these two. I hate you again. And that's uh, and then you're like, thanks, Kevin. And that was the end of that. And a bit like with, uh, you remember when they did the tease of Bianca Belair and Rhea Ripley, and we all assume that's leading to WrestleMania XL next year. Yes. You've got slow-mo, beautiful men, pretty deadly. And then on the other show, you've got maximum male models. I'm just saying. WrestleMania main event. Tag, tag titles of main event at WrestleMania now. Like that Forbidden Door stuff where you just put like for like acts oh. against each other. Oh my God. <laughs> so Paul Heyman's backstage tra- talking to Solo Sokoa, who, I mean, you could get paid by the word because his facial expressions are great. Yeah. Uh, and he's saying, tonight's all about my tribal chief Roman Reigns. It's going to be very special. Sokoa's just standing there looking at him. Uh, and he says, I'm going to go and speak to Postman Pierce to make sure the Usos definitely aren't here during the thousand day celebration. We'll pick that up later, shall we? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we see a video package of uh, the World Heavyweight Championship match at Night of Champions, Seth Rollins defeating AJ Styles, and then a fun little segment backstage with the OC, talking about how it's AJ Styles' birthday uh, and how Gallows and Anderson need to take out Hit Row because Hit Row have released a diss track. Ooh. I, I don't know. I think the OC are bland and boring. I think... Hit Row are completely pinished and the least you could have done. Look, we say this about, uh, (laughs) for totally different reasons, but we say this about Dynamite all the time. Like every now and then, there's stuff that like you race to show me from Road 2. And I think that'd be good on Dynamite. Mm. Like we could let some of that breathe on Dynamite. I know TV time's of a premium, but we could let that breathe on Dynamite. I have to say, like, I don't think 
hit row worth a sh**. But, like, at least give them the opportunity to be something by putting these diss tracks and putting these Twitter spats. I saw... Was it Top Dollar and Meechin going back and forth well, on Twitter? was involved as well, I think, I don't yeah. know. Like, just... If it generates a bit of conversation on Twitter and if these diss tracks are wrestlers going and doing the work outside, you know, like grabbing the old brass ring, doing stuff yeah. behind the scenes to try and get over, at least give them the chance to have it broadcast on the show that people watch rather than just in, like, the niche Twitter circle. Or, or having Michael Cole attempt to recreate oh, it. Oh, man. Like, and that I'll never watch this diss track. No. But already, because I've seen Hit Row beaten and Michael Cole, Michael Cole ripped the piss out of it, what's my incentive to go back and watch it? Zero. Well, speaking of incentive to go back and watch stuff, we got a video package again for Roman Reigns that, you know, yeah, throughout yeah. the show this. I might have to go back and watch SummerSlam again because that match with Brock Lesnar was goaded. It was great, wasn't it? I think it's also because of our expectations. Like, not again. Oh, wait, you've introduced a tractor. This is the best. Just a series of clean wins. One after another after another. My Jimmy and Jey Uso were nowhere to be found. I loved it. That's what I liked. Completely edited out of history. Really like that. Gen- a, a great detail. Uh, and then we got the OC versus uh, Top Dollar and Ashanti, the Adonis of Hit Row. Um, Ashanti takes control of Anderson and they uh, beat him up, hang him in the ropes, um, and B-Fab clocks him to bring Meech in and they're jaw-jacking at ringside. Anderson comes back with a spine buster. Gallows gets the hot tag, takes out everyone. And I was just like, oh, that's the end then, is it? Because mm-hmm. they just hit the magic killer on Ashanti and get the one, two, three. But obviously this was just the first of many matches because immediately afterwards, Top Dollar comes in because I was wondering where he was to break up the pinfall. I know he got knocked off the apron, but um, he comes in, attacks Gallows and Anderson, but Styles gives a birthday phenomenal forearm to Top Dollar. <sighs> just flat trash. I don't, <laughs> like, I don't know. Like the fans in the building weren't really coming up for it. Like... Has AJ Styles done something wrong to warrant this for his birthday? Don't you want to get the birthday boy something nice other than a, like a, <laughs> a two or three week arc with Hit Row? Uh, the, like I've really enjoyed the Triple H, um, like AEW should borrow this, uh, use of stables. Yeah, I agree. Uh, <laughs> um, this is not an example of that. There have been some really good stables. There have been stables that have elevated the members within them, as we'll see in a promo coming up. But this was not that. Uh, one-sided, boring garbage. Postman Pierce is backstage talking to Paul Heyman, saying, look, we've, we've cancelled the Usos' uh, travel. They're not going to be let in the building even if they show up. Uh, we've doubled the security. Paul Heyman looks very pleased with himself and goes off to call Roman Reigns. We'll pick that up later, shall we? <laughs> Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Then it was time for the Grayson Waller effect with Eska, your new rule means chipping. Brings her out, throws to a video recapping what's happened. um, And Asuka shouts a lot in Japanese and says she's the new Raw Women's Champion, dances about a bit. Waller doesn't really know what to do. Uh, 
But he says, oh, yeah, I could have said it better myself, to be honest. There was glimpses in here glimpses. Of, of Grayson the, Waller. The text to Silka, do you read the text? Yes, they Sh- pointed him out on commentary this week. Shameless in how transparent they are. Oh, I really appreciate that. It's like, you know, when Pete, you get into, you see political stuff online, yeah. and it's like, well, John37982 says that actually <laughs> Brexit was a good idea, so... Well, that's even. Um... Uh, and he points out the Money in the Bank briefcases because it's that time of year, saying, look, there's many women in the locker room think they are ready for Asuka. And he mentions Bianca Belair wanting revenge. And Asuka does her... It always gives me a flashback to the pandemic when she saved those drab episodes, mm. just turning herself up to 11. Oh, crying, are you, <laughs> yeah. Bianca Belair? I can't do it because I can't speak Japanese. Um, but I did like Grayson Waller being like... Uh, yeah. <laughs> it was a bit like, it reminds me very randomly of when we did the uh, WCPW Japanese qualifiers. Mm. And basically, they're so talented that they can speak multiple languages. Yeah. I speak one language, and that's a stretch at the best of times. And what I'd have to do when we were filming it, because the uh, I think the translator was also our ring announcer for the night. Okay. So what we were doing was, I'd ask the question in English, mm-hmm. they'd answer in Japanese, and I'd just wait for the end of them talking to be like, yep, uh, and then move <laughs> on to the next question. That's what I got from Grayson Waller here. Um, and uh, Asuka suddenly spilling the, the goo, yep. uh, the blue goo out of her mouth. Uh, and then we get, very rare collector's item this, a WWE trope that Michael Sidgwick absolutely adores, mm. and that is Eo Sky uh, yelling in Japanese and asking her going back and forth, whilst you only get to really read about this when you see the stuff on Twitter afterwards when people thankfully have given you the subtitles. You don't need it. No. You get the intent of it, but it just, I, I really like it, even if, you know, in certain areas of the America, in America, they're like, I don't know what they're talking about. Is wrestling finally getting this? Because we had that twice last week. Like, this is the second time we've had uh, Asker and uh, Eeyore do this specifically. Mm-hmm. But also... Uh, we had it in on Dynamite with Takeshita. Mm-hmm. Like he was doing half in English, half in Japanese, but the intent was like very clear. And they like, get around it. Like Bailey came out here and said, yeah, I agree you know, when you said this. Yes. Yeah. Like let this be the case now, not just with Japanese wrestlers, but with any like non-English speaking wrestlers to just go out there and do it and show that they're performers more than they are. Like As re- always, uh, Sami Zayn breaking the glass ceiling here for WWE. Well, indeed. When he did that in Canada. Yeah. Oh. Like, and wrestling, this is the whole point, isn't it? Like, forever and ever and ever and ever, wrestling has been an art form that has been able to cross cultural divides because the story is told physically. Yeah. But then extending that to promos hasn't made these promos any worse, and you see the performers at their most comfortable, understandably so. Mm. So more of it. Uh, so we get a choo-choo promo train here. Bailey comes out, uh, says, actually, we're going to both qualify for Money in the Bank, if anything. And uh, one of us will win, probably me. Um, <laughs> but it's remember, it's going to be a member of Damage Control uh, coming after you and coming after the title. Here comes Shotzi. Uh, she says, uh, I'm going to crush your dreams with the help of cold, hard steel. If anyone's made for the chaos of Money in the Bank, it's me. I'm already slightly worried if she does qualify for what she's going to put her body on the line with. Yeah, she's not wrong. Yeah. <laughs> uh, here comes... Lacey Evans. Uh, Sergeant Slaughter's pissed off daughter. You seen that on Twitter? Yeah. Uh, raging in the Slaughter household. Um, she says, uh, none of you nasties are going to win it. I'm going to do it with my clutch, etc." Yeah. Um, I like the hat. I'm going to beat Zelina Vega. I did like a hat. Um, Got a snake on it. Malibu Stacey with a new hat. It's Sammy Snake. She's going to beat Zelina Vega tonight. That, of course, brings out Zelina Vega. Says, everyone's underestimating me. Underestimating just like Rhea Ripley. And normally I'd go, well, you lost. So, but I love Zelina Vega, and I thought that match was great. So, yeah, she did come close. She's like something has definitely clicked. The LWO has been a resounding success all the way around by every metric, and its wrestlers are the like are benefiting from it now. She's carrying herself like a babyface star in a way that I never would have like dreamt for her. No, like, as a heel. She's got loads of it. She's particularly great as, like, the mouthpiece for a wrestler. But how often have WWE forced the mouthpiece to be a wrestler and it's all gone wrong? Yeah. Like, this element is starting to really click for her. So it all kicks off. They all start arguing. Grayson Waller again, another glimpse, says, this is the best day of my life ever. Uh, Asker has snuck out to the the entranceway and yells that nobody's ready for Asker. And, of course, here comes Bianca Belair, uh, attacks her from behind, and there's a big brawl. Uh, as officials struggle to separate them. Chaos on the Grayson Waller effect. Yeah. I, this was... 
I'm I'm more tolerant of promo trains than my esteemed colleague, but this did nothing for any of them. I don't think. Uh, establish all the matches they got coming up next week, basically. I in one of them ways that w, like WWE would present this as like super economical, whereas I would present it as super boring. <laughs> like I felt nothing for any of the characters. I think it's fun if you're in attendance, isn't it? Like, Possibly. Oh, and that, and that, and that. And I was seeing them and seeing them and seeing them, but on television it kind of minimizes all of them. Mm. And I still can't get away with Grayson Waller being like, you know how like there was all these comparisons to the Miz. Mm-hmm. Like he's going to get called up and it's just going to be like having a second Miz. It's like, yeah, but we're not supposed to go back to the start of the Miz's career. He's not <laughs> supposed to be going, hoorah, as a SmackDown host. Like he's seven stages on from the first yeah. incarnation of the Miz. So this again feels like they don't know what they've brought up. They don't know what they've called up in him. And there's no, this is not the Vince McMahon era. This is not uh, mm. the old excuses. Well, he's just been shown an eight by 10 and he's going to start him again. Like Triple H is obviously in regular, you would assume, close contact with Shawn Michaels about who's doing what. I just, I don't get why he's been so minimized. Yeah, I think if you, unlike us, because we're proud dads of, of any of the NXT call-ups, um, right now you don't have a reason to care about no. Grayson Waller. But I'll give it time. I'll give it time for now. You're letting it play out. Yes, mm-hmm. because another one of our NXT call-ups was backstage next with Postman Pierce, and that was, of course, uh, and then we see what happened with uh, another one of our favourites, Baron Corbin on NXT Attack in the Champion, Carmelo Hayes. Uh, and uh, he's not there tonight. Mm-hmm. But if he does show back up, Grimes is going to be waiting for him. Yeah, is he? Grimes going back to NXT already to fight him? Because <laughs> i got like the feeling that this might not be a SmackDown thing. I hope not. Uh, yeah, me too. I don't, like, not that, obviously, you know, he's feeding with Baron Corbin and Corbin's gone right in at the top of NXT. So, like, he might... Cameron Grimes might say team up with, uh, you know, like Trick and Mellow. Oh my God. In a six, yeah, in a six man against Corbin and like pick two heels. But it's not a great look, is it? If like three weeks after you main roster, can you just go and do a favor down there? Man? I've just, it's kind of embarrassing. I've just left there. It's fine. It's absolutely fine. Like, you won't be tired of the NXT brush if you go back. You sure? We're not positive, but I give it a try. I worry for him slightly. Uh, Then we got some Money in the Bank qualifiers. Lacey Evans versus Lena Vega. By the way, whilst all that chaos was going on, the Grayson Waller effect, or uh, during the break, Mm. uh, as they were clearing it away, uh, Lacey Evans had nailed Vega with the uh, women's right. So she was in trouble early on. Um, I did like Lacey Evans' response to this, I think, on social media, because she was in control, slamming her head against the canvas. She put in a chin lock, and she was clearly setting up for the uh, Cobra clutch. Mm -hmm. Um, but, well, I've written here, Vega got out of it. I think uh, Lacey Evans implied that she'd oiled up to lube her way out of it. Regardless, uh, Zelina Vega hit the code red. She got the win. I wanted her to qualify, so I was happy with this result. Yeah, I I, I was happy with this result. I thought it was another rubbish match. It was, what, like, two and a half minutes, basically. Yeah, like these... Trim down the opener a bit and give uh-huh. them more time for me. Uh-huh. They're, not, um, they're not getting anybody over really here because, like, Vega... We said this at the time, and there's no shame in this, but Backlash might be the best night she ever has. And that's weird. Mm. You've got to carry on wrestling and like try and find the next big moment. It's got to be, I don't know, WrestleMania. It's may well, you know, maybe I'll be money in the bank. There's going to be a point where she climbs a ladder, fingers on the briefcase, O2 goes mad, whatever. This match doesn't say to me that like she's going to be one of the featured players in it. They're but, kind of like running on the steam of Backlash rather than steaming, mm. full steam ahead for the next thing. But they are loving the LWO right now. There's a segment backstage with uh, all the gang there. Santos Escobar saying he's going to win his mm. Money in the Bank qualifier, which I think is next, well, this week. Um, and Rey Mysterio appears. I like the way he snuck in and said, uh, you're going to be Mr. and Mrs. Money in the Bank. And I was like, don't tell Malachi Black that. that is, yeah, that's a nice story for the night, you know. If uh, depending on which one comes first, if one of them was somehow, and it'd be an upset if either one won, but if either one of them was to claim the briefcase and then you've got the potential of the LWO winning both on the night and this being a real um, a real moment, capital M, for this group that have kind of come together and been an unexpected success, you know, merchandise-wise, there's an argument that you you go for it. Yeah. So I think that, like, I do expect them to qualify and I do expect that to be a big thing going into money in the back. Can LWO come away with both the cases? I don't think they can. Nope. But I think that's an interesting, like, mini story to tell on the night. Uh, and then the match we were most looking forward to, I think it's fair to say, on the preview, it was Montez Ford versus LA Knight. Yeah. Um, coffee riding on this. Yeah. I never win them. <laughs> I'm working like an Undertaker reverse street with good brews bets at this point. I'm worried as well because I think I've got one on the board with Sidge about like Cody, the belt that Cody wins. 
will be the, the proper belt rather than Seth Toy one. Mm-hmm. And Sidgwick was like so cynical to Cody's future. He was like, nah, he's going to win that piece of garbage on Raw. So I think we've had a good bruise bet on that, which probably means I've cursed Cody's chances of ever winning the proper belt. Yeah, if, if he doesn't win it now, I'm holding you personally That's responsible. On me, isn't it? Yeah. Um, oh, <sighs> me buying another round of Eric Biscoffs for the boys. Right. So Wade Barrett pointed this out on commentary, and I suddenly realized have WWE actually done something quite clever here in keeping LA Knight off the premium live events that now you're like, a, a bit like we talked about before with, I think with Cody actually, mm. the Daniel Bryan thing of like, no, we're going to get him on this this next show. It's what they're manufacturing. And, and it's working a treat because mm-hmm. he, he was so over, people booed Montez Ford. Yeah. Which is, and Montez Ford did great with it, by the way. He played into it straight away. And there was uh, more... Like fan friendly offense from LA Knight in this match that makes you believe that's tied into the agent and of it. Yeah. Like start giving them stuff. It's not just a protest vote. It's that you're now doing you're LA Knight and you're cutting these like arrogant backstage promos and whatever. But fundamentally, you know the people love you mm-hmm. and you're starting to give them things in response. So it's a giving and sharing of love with this character. And I think the way that that's been gently creeping out in these matches is quite exciting as well. I feel the buzz around an LA Knight match at this point. Montez Ford was awesome here, as he always is. Yeah, he knocked him down at one point and just smirked and got a great reaction. Great, man. And, like, I'm rooting for the last chance Battle Royal for him to be in it and get into the match. But I said this, I think on the preview it might have been, I never feared for the Sami Zayn-Cody Rhodes clash ahead of WrestleMania. I fear for whoever wins the case instead mm-hmm. of LA Knight if it's not LA Knight. Yeah. It's feeling like it's his to lose. Uh, Ford got knocked to the outside to take us to a break. When we come back, they're going back and forth. Uh, Ford hits him with a series of clotheslines, uh, but got distracted by the crowd, uh, and that allowed Knight to come back into it, slammed him down, got a two count, went for a springboard moonsault that I don't think I've seen before. Uh, yeah. Ford moved, hit a rock bottom, mm-hmm. which was great for a near fall. Crowd like, no, we don't. I like you, Montez Ford, but not now. <laughs> LA Knight chance ringing around the stadium. There's a double down off a clothesline. Um, Knight puts Ford on the apron. Ford kicks him in the face. Goes up top. LA Knight does that great leap to the top rope that he does. He gets knocked down again, though. Um, and I'm like, no, 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 no. Ford goes for a frog splash. Knight moves. They trade roll-ups. And LA Knight grabs the ropes to get the win, qualify for money in the bank, and most importantly, win me a coffee. Indeed. A great piece of business. I really, really enjoy this. Again, like the polar opposite of the rest of the matches on this show where it didn't feel, felt real for a start. Like it felt it was fought competitively. The stakes mattered. Somebody's going to money in the bank and the other one, in inverted commas, isn't because you kind of feel like Ford will find a way. Uh, but yeah, the the kind of, the it wasn't desperation, but the, the wily cheating finish from LA Knight was this, Really great contrast versus the stuff he was doing in the match to try and win earnestly. The, like, I'm going to do this through nothing but skill and ability is creeping out of him. And he's like, oh, God damn it, my skill and ability didn't work. So I'm going to cheat because I've, I've got that too. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's LA Knight's version of being like a five-tool player. Yeah. He's like, well, I've got this. But if that doesn't work, I've got this too. Mm-hmm. It's like a slightly low-scale version of what MJF does in his title defences. I will cheat because it's definitely the path of least resistance. Doesn't mean I can't, I just don't really want to. I think, yeah, I think you're right. When it comes back to money in the bank, I think if, and I'm going to keep saying this until I know it can't possibly happen, so the Sunday after money in the bank, basically, if Cody's winning, he can't be the one to knock LA Knight off the thing. He has to be targeted by a... It's not going to be this person because he's off in NXT, but a Baron Corbin-esque type character who you're like, oh, you knobhead, right, Beat him at SummerSlam, and then we'll get back on track, LA, because we're with you now, and that sort of completes the babyface turn. I wonder if they might, and I'm not so sure this will even work. I'm, I'm talking myself into thinking that Cody could get booed if he if he stops LA Knight winning here, such as I believe this momentum building up underneath LA Knight. I'm wondering if they do the very WWE thing of having him be in the match and then be like attacked backstage. Remember oh. when like Punk lost the title and they thought, that's going to appease people. We'll have Legacy beat him up so he can't even defend it. It doesn't work, mm-hmm. but they think, right, when Cody wins, LA Knight can't even be in the picture selling on the floor. He was knocked out backstage by, insert heel. Austin Theory. Or Austin Theory, yeah. and that's your feud. Um, I also think the rock bottom and the Stone Cold Stunner should be added to LA Knight's regular rotation, just to kind of own the point a little bit. Yeah, like call the rock bottom the uh, the night shift, and like <laughs> I don't know what the Stunner wanted, like an LA Knight, an LA for the Stunner one or something. Yeah, 
But like, you know, like just give him those moves at this point, sort of acknowledge, yeah, we know he's a bit of that, but we quite, we quite like that. Like we like those wrestlers too. And then you can get a live performance to play him out at SummerSlam from Brand Van 3000. Perfect. Don't know what they're up to nowadays, but... But let's get them in for SummerSlam. Anyway. Hardy, so I'll take anything at this what point. What the hell are we doing? Singing for LA. Yeah. Very good. Um, right, then the show gets somewhat corrupted. <laughs> <laughs> and it speaks volumes, the amount of corruption, I mean, in all of wrestling right now. Um, but uh, even in WWE, this video started and I went... I don't know if this is a new person. I don't know if this is the Viking Raiders, mm -hmm. another attempt at rehabilitating Karrion Cross, or as it turned out to be, uh, the NXT Women's Champions, Isla Dawn and Alba Fire. They said, Sangius Rubius Luna Ex Exponentia Existio, which I thought was some sort of like Harry Potter spell, but apparently they're talking about themselves as the Unholy Union. Okay. Like, why are they still NXT Women's Champions? Tag I don't champs. Know. Get those belts off them. Um, <laughs> get those belts off. I, mm, again, I thought this was rubbish. Was this a Bray Wyatt thing as well? Well, that's the thing, right? It was Wyatt adjacent. It's not for me, this, but we they're kind of all right in the ring, these two. Like, they do... They try the and finishers mint. I they like they try and juggle the the Kidiption and the the magic powers and the voodoo with their act, which is not a bad one when they wrestle. But again, like it's this. If you look at the women's division from SmackDown last week, it's this and that promo train. So like, who from that group of losers are going to pair together and pretend that they've been best friends for ages to take these two on? Nobody. I don't want to watch a single one of those wrestlers team up with another one of those wrestlers. It, Bailey and Eel when neither of them win money in the bank. And that is part of the split because Eo's been gripped. Like, I just, I don't get this call-up, I don't think. I, don't, I get like, the call-up, I just don't get calling them up as champs. Maybe that's it. Maybe when the belts are off them, it'll feel like they can start proper. Yeah. But even then, there's only one real team on the whole main roster, and they've just won the belts on Raw. And you're not going to have, like, the Dirk Priestesses take on Ronda and Shayna straight away, are you? That would be pretty always, always, My mind always goes, we'll just give it to... Casey Catanzaro and Caden Carter or whatever they're called. Katana Chance in it now. Yeah. And then I was like, oh no, they got called up. They got well. called And where are they? Yeah. They're too busy partying, mate. That's it. Yeah. Love to party. I need some new vignettes. Right. Here it is. Roman Reigns' 1,000 day celebration. The show's been building towards this. Here comes uh, Triple H. Thing, mate. Yeah. Oh, sorry, I thought it was his thing. Yeah. Um, he talks about Roman Reigns in the same... Uh, breath as other dominant champions, Muhammad Ali, uh, Michael Jordan, WWE's version of that is Roman Reigns. We're going to be talking about this for generations to come. And I did sit back at this point and think, I should really appreciate this whilst it's happening, because you and I are probably not going to experience this for a long old time. Mm -hmm. um, and I, 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 I have, I think someone tagged me in something, I think they might have made another documentary, or maybe it's just the one they built towards WrestleMania or whatever. If they sold a bloodline, you know, Roman Reigns, 1,000-day celebration box set, I'd probably buy it. I'd consider getting the tracksuit with the little one and the three yes. zeros. It's I funny. thought about that showing up to work today wearing that. Yeah. And I thought, ooh, might be a bit too far. It's like wearing AJ Styles gloves to work or something. Get it, sh get it shipped on time. It's funny, because I sat back and thought some things while Triple H was talking as well, mainly that he's a f***ing coward. <laughs> like, <laughs> yet again, uh... Bernie Sanders, I am once again asking, why is Roman Reigns wearing a title? Triple H, not four weeks ago, introduced that trinket, that toy, that Christmas ornament on Raw, and said, we are sick. We, the WWE Universe, are sick of that part-timer, part-timer champion <laughs> never defending his title. What Roman Reigns is doing is tantamount to holding you, the fans, hostage. So we're going to unleash a new title. This is for the workers, for the wrestlers, for the people that give a damn about this business. And Seth Rollins is going to be the first one to hold it because he's exactly that. Uh, Can't wait for the Raw preview, by the way. What a first defense this Let's is. go. Fight open challenges, the whole deal, the way a champion should be. Four weeks later. Yes, the blue is, brand, different show, mate. There is nobody. Not your wife, not your husband, not your kids, not your mums, not your dads. There is nobody in your disgusting, poor little lives <laughs> like Roman Reigns. Stand up and put your f***ing finger in the air Hell when yeah. I tell you to. Because Roman Reigns is here and I've got a gift for him. 
because nobody has done it like Roman. Not Hogan, not Cesar, not even me. And I'm, I'm the same as them in yeah. a way. Nobody has done it like Roman. Make your mind up, Paul. What is it? You know how this would probably make sense if you top draw the guy that's actually pulling them into the towns on Saturdays and waving and kissing babies was the one holding the title. You know how this entire landscape would be better, but no, it's Roman. And the only good thing about Roman wearing the titles is that for just a split second when he saw that gold belt, I thought he was going to spit on it because he looked disgusted before he remembered what his face was supposed to be. And he said, Thanks, Triple H. <laughs> but See, yeah, I, I just, like, honestly, there's more holes in this thing than a golf course still. And elements of it were awesome. This was not. See, I don't care. I know. And I forgot about Cody Rozier in this segment because I loved it so much. I know. And I don't want to be the guy. You know that meme of, who is it, like, mopping the sea? <laughs> I, I'm increasingly feel like I'm mopping the sea. Yeah. The waves are coming. It's like, get that bloody water out. You can't. It's the sea. Yeah. So, like, you know, no, it's the children that are wrong. I'm, I must be Seymour Skinner now. But I just thought, like, the game Triple H coming out here lying to me again. <laughs> I'm just glad it wasn't Mick Foley. No offence to Mick, but he's not got a great track record with unveiling belts, has he? Honestly, the 24-7 title unveiling was more credible than the last two Triple H has done. Yeah. I saw a great tweet. I'm sorry, I can't remember who said this on Twitter. Like, I can't remember the last time WWE pulled a sheet away from something and it was actually good. I think it might have been Sting. <laughs> I'm so sorry for not giving the credit that tweet deserves, but that popped me daft. I really like the World Heavyweight Championship design now. Well... What, the new the Seth one, yeah. the, this gold thing? I like both of them. Uh, they, I think Belts about you forgetting weeks. Yeah. yeah. I do like that. The more I look at it, the, at the time, I was like, ooh. And I was like, ooh. <laughs> and now you're like, like an olive. First, first time, ooh, no thank you. Oh. Now, can't get enough of I'll green never olives. Do you eat olives in a little ramekin with drinks, or do you put them on pizzas, or what? Like oh, that? no, 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 no. <laughs> you know me. You and I are very similar in that regard. Yeah. Very nice to just sit there and eat a big bowl of olives. Don't mix it with anything else. Don't mess with perfection. So. What, what uh, sauce do you want on your steak? None. <laughs> what, um, do you want applesauce and stuffing with your pork sa- hot pork sandwich? No, I want bread and pork. Maybe some butter if I'm really pushing the boat out. Me and Sidge went to uh, Buffalo Wild Wings. That was where I had that Manji oh, yeah. legend. And um, Sidge had the wings. And it was great because I've never seen a man of such fine dining and such refined tastes. Just get their meat sweats. But he did, eating the wing. It was great to watch. Like, it was just a great <laughs> spectator spot. I was having the burger that I think he was even a little bit, like, jealous of because the burger was really nice. But I had to ask for it without the mm-hmm. like, trademark nuts and bolts that make a burger great. And I, like, felt a bit guilty doing it. So that was why I ordered the Mountain Dew Legend because I was like, I know for a fact this drink is specialist to here. So will you forgive me for the... Yeah, like the trade offer. Yeah, burger, like, sort of indecency by getting this drink that is only available here. Little did they know that I was basically replacing my bloodstream with it the entire trip. Mm. Um, Triple H says on behalf of everyone, he's going to congratulate Roman Reigns for passing 1,000 days as champion, something that hasn't been accomplished in WWE in almost 40 years. He unveils the belt, uh, pops it around Roman Reigns' waist, and like you say... Uh, he hands the other belts off that may or may not disappear mm. on television. Going to be a complete hypocrite. Because when, when Sammy Guevara did this, I was like, get them gone. That's your belt now. But, yeah, I like Roman Reigns with all the gold on him. So Three belts is funny. Three belts and him starting to eyeball the World Championship on Raw is funny. Yeah. That's where, like, that's there, right there, is the only justification I can have from beating Cody Rhodes. Funny. It's a gold background now. It does look... Gordy, I think, is the best way of putting it. But yeah. like you say, I, I'm, I've already warmed to this one faster than I did the World Heavyweight Championship. And it's their design now, so get used to it. You know, it's it's. I think there's been better belts and there's been worse belts. No, I think it's something to do with, like, gold mixing with red. As a Sunderland fan, like, every now and then we've had, like, gold details in a home kit. I don't like it. The Kit Kat Chunky, the recent edition of... There's a peanut butter one and a Biscoff one. And they've added, like, a gold thing to the label. And I don't really like the look of it, but the taste is exceptional. Yeah. So maybe over time I will come to love this belt more than the ridiculous blue and black ones. Yeah. I, I just think for a... I tell you what, this gold belt will look more convincing on like a footballer after the Super Bowl. Yeah. Like it looks very much like the ones that they would get custom made and it's now WWE have done the hard yards for you. I love that. All the cool, you know, basketball, football, soccer mm. uh, for our American listeners, uh, hockey... Cool, hard, you know, minted guys who are still kind of all 
wrestling marks at Hawks. They're all like, I want on that belt. I want that one, please. Yeah. I don't want the trophy. Keep the Stanley Cup over there. I don't care. Doesn't Snoop Dogg have a stoner belt that's got like a gold background? Probably. Or something? Is that like a, a, like a gold Doubles belt? Was a bong or something? Yeah, like with like the green, like the detailing of the little what used to be the red tick, and it's like green instead of something. Like a big leaf instead of the WWE logo. Yeah, <laughs> I'm into it. Um, so Roman Reigns goes to tell the locals to acknowledge him. Then he goes, no, bollocks that, actually. Universe, acknowledge me. And I do. I go, yeah, <laughs> acknowledge you, my tribal chief. Um, but wait a second. I thought they didn't have travel. I thought they were banned from the building. I thought it was security. Never mind all that. The Usos are here. That takes us to a break. That was a hell of a hook. Let's pick that up, shall we? Uh, what? What the hell was this? They kicked everyone's ass backstage because they're ass kickers. Oh, right. we'll be explained next week. Nah. We're going to let that one play out, are we? Like, is that is next week's bit, because there's no Roman on next week's SmackDown, I don't believe. So is next week's bit, Paul Heyman blowing a gasket with Adam Pearce and saying, right, after that, Roman will not be on this show for, for three weeks. <laughs> like, that's, <laughs> that's your punishment. You've lost the tribal chief. Like, what was this? Like, two segments they spent making it... Crystal clear that the Usos can't... They could have at least walked out from the crowd. They've done that before. Yeah. Like, Jay and Jimmy have got a Jay, was it? Was coming from the crowd when he had extradited himself from the bloodline. They made, like, the music hit. Unless, like, Roman Ranger has been a knobhead to everyone backstage and they've gone, I'm not standing up for him. What a great bit that would have made on camera. Like, the Usos, like, there's a bunch of heels that are lined up and they've all been told by Adam Pearce, no, I'm under the gun here, you're going to have to stop him. And then Jay or Jimmy just says something like, you're really sticking up for Roman Reigns. Like that guy would like piss on you if you're on fire. And they all just sort of nod sagely and move aside. What a great bit that would have been. The Usos as these like new folk heroes of SmackDown. No, no, just hit the music, out the walk. I think the thing was, because I'm watching this not live, I didn't have a commercial break to think about it. And by the time that, well, in the short period it went from, here they are, ad break to... Roman Reigns saying, kick him in the face. Yeah. The moment he said that, I went, oh, I don't care about what happened. I don't <laughs> care how they got here. I do not care. I already love this segment. Kick him in the face. Cinema does cast a spell. Yeah. Uh, he said, did I stutter? He says, this is what Jimmy did. This is the only way you can fix this, by kicking him in the bloody face. And Jay is torn. Um, Roman says, I'm not going to say it again. And Jimmy cuts right across him with a nice line. The only one who needs fixing is you, Roman. Um he says, Jay can't fix this. I'm the one who kicked you in the face. And I did it, did it not because I want to be the tribal chief. I did it because I was being a brother. Brothers treat brothers with love and respect, and you haven't been a good brother recently. And I thought, oh, God, here comes Gallows and Anderson. And I thought, actually, no, they've, they've done the work for the <laughs> evening. Um, what kind of brother manipulates and betrays? Roman's gone crazy. Jay's his brother. Solo's his brother. And, I, uh, and you should protect your brothers. Once you've done using Solo, you're going to toss him aside just like everyone else. Solo's thinking about it. Roman's like, and they're chanting the, for the Usos, the crowd. And he's like, you hear that Usos chant? That's because of me. I'm the tribal chief. Uh, and now apparently you're talking on behalf of everyone. Well, uh, actually, I don't talk. I'm, I'm a nice guy, actually. Mm -hmm. I'm like, Solo talk for himself. You know, uh, you don't speak for him. Solo, what you got to say for yourself? And Solo says, I acknowledge you, my tribal chief. But those are my brothers. Oh, my God. And he crosses the divide in Roman's face. It was really good. Really good stuff. Huge pop in the building. Really great. Um, and Jimmy's like, what are you going to do, Roman? You're going to, you know, you're going to give us some respect, reunite the family, or are you going to be on the island of relevancy all alone with your knob out? <laughs> and this, We remember. The law of... The pie face oh my God. Mm, was something I think was revisited on social media or, or like a TikTok or a, some Roman shared basically. So I don't know whether he made it or Paul had made it or a fan had made it. Carly Riley. All the clips of him shoving members of the bloodline <laughs> in the face. Uh, and Paul Heyman's face is an absolute picture when he does it to Roman Reigns. Jay gets in between them though and he's like, come on, lads. It's not worth it. Mm. It doesn't have to go down like this. You know, we, we're a family. We could, you know, reunite. Uh, stronger together let's run this show together uh and jimmy's like uh, i know you're still my brother he's still a member of the bloodline you're still the tribal chief roman and um, let's run things together he says it now and roman's oh. <sighs> he's torn and then he hugs jimmy close and it's a wwe trope that i absolutely adore the hug followed by talking into the mic over someone's shoulder 
I don't know what it is about it, yeah. but I love it. They use it quite regularly, especially with the Bloodline stuff. I think AJ Styles, I seem to remember, has done something with... Was it with um, Bala? Maybe it was. It? It's one of them things where, because of the way they shoot things, you're kind of instructed to just keep your fixed glare on that microphone more than the hug, yeah. more than the faces. It's like, still got the microphone there. Where's this going? And, like, there's not many mediums that would allow for that, but because they're just having this out while holding microphones in a live setting, you get that. And the law of Roman's fake cry drawing in an Uso just to get murdered continues here because yeah. he lifts the mic up and just says, no, backs away, solo, Samoa spike to Jimmy. Roman bounces out of there. Jay's checking on his brother. You know, he's been uh, ousted as Jimmy Uso. He's been extradited or ex- mm-hmm. I don't forget what the phrasing they used for. He's been kicked out of the bloodline, Jimmy yep. Uso has officially Jay's checking on him. They walk up the ramp. Solo is still aligned for now with my tribal chief. Uh, And on the entrance ramp, the last thing we hear is Paul Heyman saying, my tribal chief, what about Jay? And Roman says, Jay will do what he always does, fall in line. Oh, my God. I love this ending so bloody much. And I know you you weren't a fan of it, but... I was. I'm so glad I didn't text you last night saying, "Well, SmackDown was goaded." Yeah, because, uh, I'd have probably woken you up by going, "What are you talking about? <laughs> it's great." I, I, I get no joy killing Buzz on this podcast, and it's certainly not what I come into the studio to do with you or any of the listeners that love this. So I'm more than happy to be on my own island of irrelevancy when I say <laughs> I thought a lot of this was trash. I thought there, I was, my nose was put out of joint a little bit by the very, very end. I thought that was. Incredibly cheesy. I am willing to defend a lot of WWE stupidity in a way that, like, Sage, for example, has no time for. And plenty of people don't. It's not just him. Yeah. Um, but I, to go back to something you said at the very start of this podcast, um, look, look at us doing our own law, um, <laughs> referencing stuff. Like, it is a bit of a warm cuddle to me sometimes. And I'm, I'm either blind to their failings as TV producers or simply acceptant of it. It's one or the other. And often, as a result, like, a lot of things I'll let slide or just not let... They don't affect my personal enjoyment. Something really rankled me about how on the nose the little ramp chat was. You know how we've always made this joke about how, well, if the Bloodline only watched TV once in a while, it'd be fine. Someone should do a a video about that to go out on uh, What Culture's YouTube channel in uh, the coming days, perhaps. That would be super effective and conscientious and proof yet again that, like... This is, uh, in terms of wrestling podcasts. Oh, um, oh there's, uh, there's a phrase I'm searching for. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't put it rightly. You know, it's, nor it's do we have the authority. It's not for me to say. No. It's for, let's say, uh, a current world champion to say. One of the only professional wrestling podcasts that's actually worth a f- Was it Fraser Crania made that thing over the weekend? Did you see that? Was that, oh, uh, I might have been Travis. Travis. You think the rose Travis. red, yeah, yeah. I just I can't wait for one day when we're using that to put ourselves over. We say probably the only podcast that we're bingo. <laughs> we blow it. Anyway, yeah. So I thought the bit in the ramp was like e- too self indulgent even for me. Like you could not wa- like the Usos are in the ring, so you could justify well we don't need to watch SmackDown because we were in it. We were in the ring mm-hmm. with them, but like they're still in the building having their secret clandestine chats. They're still on the ramp when Roman's saying Jail do what he always does. He'll fall in line. Jay who Roman, my cousin Jay who. So, <laughs> like, uh, I, I found that like a bit of a piss take, to be honest. I didn't love, um, it, like, I loved Solo crossing over oh, to set God. up the turn. I really, really like that because of all the weeks when you could, Roman could theoretically be wrong footed, it was after they had lost the tag match, and you think, well, what's Roman got set up for Solo? And then in actuality, it plays out the opposite. I thought that was a nice subversion. I like the turn even because, like, I want the tag match and I want to feel. I want to feel nervous that Jey Uso will make the wrong choice. So mm. I like that. Like I didn't, just like we didn't expect Jimmy to be the one to break mm. out of the yeah. servitude. And now I'm nervous that Jey Uso will feel abused into like turned on his brother. Like I can't think of anything worse for that. And to be fair to the people that have held on to this being a, like a three year story when in reality it's about a one year story. The story restarts proper when Sammy joins. We can't pretend that everything is tethered. Jimmy never liked it. And then just like when he returned in 2021 and then one day just magically fell in line. If WWE had been tighter back then, yeah, you could tether this to what happened then. But you remember when he came back? Yes. And it was like, Jay, what are you doing? And then eventually he was like, I'm doing it too. This <laughs> yeah. is cool. And to put a bow on this yet again, like who's in the wrong? Triple H started the segment by telling us to just bend over for the tribal chief. 
And then 15 minutes later, and it is 15 minutes later plus commercials, we're asked to think that Roman's in the wrong and that the Usos need to break away. He's a villain and he's a bad guy. Roman is a bad guy. Yeah. But all of his motives are justified by the way he's introduced by Triple H and by still being the world champion mm. by this thousand-day run. It doesn't matter that the thousand days are ill-gotten. Like, his methods are successful. So you're supposed to, like, again, imagine this segment and there's no belts anymore. And Jimmy's going to Jay. What's this hold he's got over you? Like, yeah, I you're get my, you're Solo, from. you're my brother. Jay, you're my brother. Like, I'm the only one that can see sense. And Jay, I think I've got you on the hook. And Solo, I've got you on the hook. Oh, no, I've not. You just put your thumb in my throat. I thought I had you on the hook. Like, what's the hold he's got on you? Well, the hold he's got is the fact that the man's got three belts <laughs> by himself. And the only way that you're going to get back to the top of the mountain is by sticking with him. And I just, I'll never be able to switch that off, no matter if I like elements of the story. And I really love the potential tag match. Yes. I do. I really love that. Roman and Solo versus the Usos is going to be great. Uh, I worry for your Cody booking because it's increasingly looking like that'll be a SummerSlam match unless they can get it out. Roman's now on the Money in the Bank schedule. You think so? So maybe Money in the Bank is where you do it. It's a nice amount of time to build that match. But I don't know. I still think there's details here that are kind of lost at this point, And I just... I'm half in, half out when it comes to the bloodline at this stage. See, I'm fully in. I thought this was cinema. <laughs> and uh, I will let it play out because I believe long term, mm -hmm. all of this is going to come back to haunt Roman Reigns. And he's going to desperately... It's it's the end of training day, basically. Okay, yeah. I, I, maybe also, also cinema. Yeah. It, it shares cinematic qualities with the film Training Day. But, Oscar winning film Training Day. Yeah, Roman Reigns looking around going, you mother... <laughs> As everyone goes, actually, no, I, I'm not on board with this anymore. Yeah. And then loses the... But, hey, do you know what? There's reasons why MJF says the things that he does. One of the only professional wrestling podcasts that's actually worth a f And I like offering views. We're not the BBC, so we don't have to offer balance. But I will say this, in contrast to my own personal tastes, this SmackDown drew a monster number. People wanted to watch what Roman was going to do to celebrate a thousand days. People wanted to watch the follow-on from Night of Champions. Uh, the houses are still really full on yeah. those wrestling suites, thanks to Cody Rhodes. Um, <laughs> so everything that we're seeing suggests that from a business point of view, yeah. WWE are just fine, and little old me can just rant all he wants about the WrestleMania call, and nothing has been affected. Um, so there is that, yeah. and I, I don't like I don't shy away from that. I think it, I personally think it can be both, but. I like fair play that SmackDown like popped a huge rate. Yeah. People were mad keen on watching how this played out. I couldn't wait yeah. to see it play oh, out. Oh, absolutely. So. Well, let us know uh, your thoughts uh, on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Uh, do you agree with me or are you also in the wrong? Um, <laughs> you can follow both of us on Twitter. You can follow Michael Hamlet at. I don't know why you would bother anymore, but Michael Hamlet. <laughs> follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE. And uh, make sure you subscribe to WhatCultureWrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling the e podcasts. WWE is for Ethan. <laughs> Also, maybe it was the fact that I thought, right, well, what will J what will Jey Uso do is already a bullet point for my SmackDown preview next week. So that's one-fifth of my job done for Friday. Oh, Last week's SmackDown fallout. <laughs> <laughs> that's all it takes for me to be happy with this show, basically. Yeah. Uh, me and Sid will be back later on to uh, review AW Rampage. And we'll all be back to preview Monday Night Raw a little bit later on today as well. But for now, this has been the SmackDown review. My thanks to Michael Hampler. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods 
for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.